Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. You should scout on your next record. I, I, I like scatting. Now that's the art form. <laughs> that's what we need to hear. That's what the people need to hear. <laughs> that's the new intro to your show. I'll be sending an invoice. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm producer Rihanna Cruz. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. So over the past few weeks, as we move into the second month of 2024, this great year we find ourselves in, I've been doing my due diligence to keep up with new music. There's a lot of good stuff out there already, and we've talked about some of it on the show in the past few weeks. There's also a lot of albums that I'm excited for. And this week, an artist I really love is putting out a great one. Brittany Howard with her record, What Now? Rihanna, what's got you excited about Britney's new album? Oh man, there's so much to love here, but What Now I think is really special because it serves as a further exploration into Britney Howard's eclectic multi-genre sound. On this record, she jumps around from the rock sound that we've come to know her for into more dancey, more poppy territory. There's a lot of cool stuff happening on it. Mm. So I thought we'd take this opportunity to explore the music of Brittany Howard, get into this new record. And in the back half of the episode, I'll be asking her all the questions. I'm here for this because 10 years ago, I remember when the Alabama Shakes hit the scene and I was like, wow, this is incredible. I remember when Brittany Howard released her first solo record and I was really taken with it. And then I kind of lost the thread a little bit. So maybe you can get me back into this world and help frame what I should be listening for in this new album. Fret not, Nate. I'm here. <laughs> you can feel me, Fret. You could you could sense me fretting. You know I love to Oh fret. yeah, you're sweating over there. You know you're I sweating love to fret. over there. The Cirrus, the, but it's okay. The Michigas, the yeah, it's it's it was it was weighing on me. Okay, so where do we start? Well, I'm assuming for most people, their first encounter with Brittany Howard was with the band she co-founded in 2009, Alabama Shakes. The band was a pioneering Americana and soul act that put out two critically acclaimed albums before going on hiatus. And on both of those records, Brittany plays rhythm guitar as well as sings. And Nate, I wanted to ask you, do you remember the first time you heard Brittany Howard's powerful, raspy, one-of-a-kind vocal? I can tell you exactly when it was. Mm -hmm. Someone sent me a YouTube video. This must have been over 10 years ago, 2012, of the Alabama Shakes performing the song Hold On. Bless 
I had no context. I had no nothing. I just clicked my mouse, and I was riveted. I would be riveted as well after hearing that. But I, I know for me, the first time I heard Brittany Howard, it was on this track. That is Don't Want to Fight off of Alabama Shakes' 2015 album, Sound and Color. And I think Don't Want to Fight was maybe one of the free songs that you could download on iTunes for the day. You know, <laughs> like it was one of those things uh, where... A simpler time. Yeah, simpler time. I don't know how I came upon it, but for some reason I downloaded it. Changed my life. I mean, hearing that first vocal from Britney, which sort of begins almost like a, a wheeze before transitioning into this breathy vocal explosion. <laughs> I can imagine it would be like, what is this? Who is this? How is this? It's it's pretty it's pretty stunning. Sound and Color changed my life. It was one of those albums that I heard when I was a teenager, you know, just starting to get into music. Yeah. You kind of click on a random record and then your worldview is changed forever. Sound and Color opened my eyes to all that music could be. Wow. That's that's powerful. Thank you, Steve Jobs, for your free uh, Apple download that day. We appreciate it. Let's check out the fourth track on Sound and Color, Future People. I feel like Future People is pretty indicative of the Alabama Sheik sound writ large. We're hearing lots of garage rocky fuzz distortion. There's mid-tempo 60s-inspired guitar that's a little plucky. We got roomy drums. Mm. Of course, there's Brittany Howard's staple, powerful vocal. Yeah. It's a little, uh, this isn't a technical term, but it sounds a little swampy to me. Mm, it's got that. I like that, got though. that swamp vibe, you know, that southern yeah. kind of like in the back pocket. <laughs> I mean, again, you know, I'm putting my PhD aside for a moment and just giving you my feels here, but I love it. It's great. Yeah, I think like around this time, right, 2015, there were a lot of peers also chasing this mm. sound, this swampy revival moment. Thinking of someone like Leon Bridges, for example. Or even looking at Krangbin's first record and a song like Two Fish and an Elephant. All three of these artists came out around the same time and they're playing in this kind of 60s, 70s studio pastiche. Mm, really highlighting the fact that these are all like organic instruments being played by people. There's a liveness to this sound that may be contrasted with some of the more synthetic textures of the mid-2000s. But much like the way this organic sound faded into the ether in favor of new and experimental ways of making music, Alabama Shakes went on hiatus and Brittany Howard took this opportunity to test the waters with a solo career on her 2019 album, Jamie. Here's the song, Tomorrow. I'm not loving, I'm not loving, I'm not loving, I'm not loving, 
very different aesthetic than what we'd heard with the Alabama Shakes. A little more introspective, maybe. A little more, like, experimental. Not really recreating this specific sonic historical moment, but really seems to be following her own voice and her own path. For sure. We're seeing on this song tomorrow a lot of genre experimentation, which is indicative of the album Jamie writ large. It's a shift away from the Americana tones of Alabama Shakes into more R&B, into more unexplored territory for Brittany Howard. This track, to me, feels very Erica Badu-esque. Baduesque or Baduism. Sorry. <laughs> cool. There's never a bad time to channel Erica Badu. So I like that analogy. No, of course not. That was Window Seat. And both tracks show a very vocal forward approach. Whereas I feel like in Alabama Shakes, there's equal emphasis placed on the voice as there is on the bass, as there is on the guitar. Mm. In Brittany Howard's solo work, a lot of it is very vocal forward, which I think works because, of course, you know, her guitar playing is excellent, but what's really notable is her vocals. And the song Tomorrow and Jamie Ritlarge charts new territory forward for Brittany Howard. There's less trepidation, I feel, to move into more modern textures. We're hearing less distortion and less rock inspiration in her work writ large. There's still inklings of that Alabama shake sound on Jamie. Take a song like Stay High, for example. But her new record, What Now?, is her second solo album, and there's a lot of surprises. It's a continuation of this genre experimentation. We're getting stuttering breaks. We're getting psychedelic classic rock. It feels like her most chaotic record in the way that it jumps around sounds, but perhaps the most surprising pivot can be heard on one of her singles, the track Prove It To You. All I want to do is prove it to you. All I want to do is prove it to you. This is different. Sparkly, effervescent synths over this propulsive house groove. I feel like Brittany Howard is exploring like different corners of her vo- of what her voice can do, kind of like taking us down into her lower range a little bit, building it up. If this is indicative of, of this new album, it's like we're hearing an artist evolving and experimenting with each new release. Yeah, when I heard this, I was so gagged. I said, <laughs> Brittany Howard doing full pop? What? When you look at it, it's like we got the four to the floor beat. We have shiny, shimmering, glowing synthesizers. 
And there's still distortion, but it's still such a new direction for her that it really caught me off guard. It's poppy. Well, if we go back to those Alabama Shakes recordings, we we were describing them as being sort of consciously reaching back to an earlier time of music making with just, you know, drums and a bass and electric guitar. Now, Brittany Howard is embracing some of the more digital synthetic soundscapes that are available, but but doing it in a way that still sounds true to her, I think. It's a really interesting bridge between the sounds that her career is founded on and this new uncharted territory. I wanted to know more about what went into Britney's new album, What Now? And to do that, I had to go straight to the source. My conversation with Brittany Howard after the break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, my name is Brittany Howard. I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to Brittany on January 23rd, a few weeks before the release of What Now, her second solo album. What Now, to me, in both sounds and tone, feels a little bit lighter than Jamie. How is What Now specifically different for you than your previous solo work? I feel a little freer than Mm. I did before. Maybe a little more evolved, a little more experienced. It's been about four years since Jamie came out. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've had like multiple relationships uh, rise and fall and also like an entire pandemic to live through. Lots of introspection and 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 thank God throughout that process, lots of growth. Do you see your own solo work different than your work with your band, Alabama Shakes? Yeah, I think it's different because, you know, there's really no one to bounce ideas off of. It's kind of just me making ultimate choices and decisions. And it's actually been really freeing creatively, which I think is just exactly what I needed. I, I think I just needed a moment to um, succeed or fail on my own terms. I can see that as like very liberating in a lot of ways. I mean, you keep mentioning freeing, right? Is is this something that you feel comes through in the songs on the record? I think so, because on this album, each song is its own little movie. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe if you listen to it, the album sounds consistent with itself. But to me, each one is like a snapshot of my life. 
um, in a little journal. And, and, you know, I've never made a four on the floor track before. And that's on there. Right. Lots of sampling is on there. 808's on the record. It's definitely like a little more expansive, I'd say, sonically, too. Tell me a little bit about about the sampling. I was unaware that there's sampling on the record. That's so cool. Are you at liberty to share? Yeah, I mean, I sampled myself, oh, which sweet. <laughs> I, don't know, I think people do that. Nice. So what track do you sample yourself on? I'm curious. It's a song called I Don't. Also, I sampled uh, Maya Angelou. Oh. Yeah, because I, I just really love her voice. And so I sampled her as well. Was that on the interlude? Yeah, it's the interlude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, these people on a small and lonely planet, traveling through casual space, past aloof stars. In multiple cases on What Now, I feel like some of the songs sound more communal than personal. Did you approach songs like Another Day differently? Because Another Day to me, I think, is a standout on the record for the way that it speaks to the we, you know, rather than like the I. And I, I think that's like really special. It's interesting because I don't sometimes I don't know if I can speak about the we without the I. Mm, mm -hmm. Or vice versa. Can I speak about the I without the we? You know, we always obviously are, are affecting each other and informing each other. So a song like Another Day, like originally came from a place where I needed to know where I stood and who I was during like really chaotic times. I wrote that during the pandemic and we couldn't go outside and mm -hmm. it was scary to know what was going to happen. But at the same time, I, I was having like all of these emotions. Like um, at the time I was like falling in love and, and I was having good feelings and I was having really scary feelings and all of these feelings like existed within me. And I, I just wanted to write music that reflected that. And, and I think a lot of people were going through that, you know, not just me. There's lots and lots and lots of feelings with nowhere to go sometimes. Yeah, and I, I think, like, I'm not a musician by any means, but I feel like turning to art during the pandemic was a logical response, you know? It's, like, kind of a, a catharsis, you know, and a release in a lot of ways. And, you know, what's funny is, that's, like, the last thing I wanted to do. Right. It's so funny, because, like, during the pandemic, I was looking at all these people, like, being productive with their art and their creativity, and I wasn't. And I was just, like... I don't know, maybe envious is the word. I was like, I can't believe people are able to produce during this time. Like, why can't I do that? Meanwhile, the whole time I was writing an album, I just didn't know it. I didn't know that that's what I was doing. I thought I was just fooling around. That's when the most beautiful work comes, though. You know what I mean? Emerging through these these fiddles and, and kind of just like seeing what works. Yeah, and I just thought that the songs I was writing, no one was going to hear them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I felt so much freedom to do everything. Well, speaking of freedom, I think like, you know, we're talking about liberation a lot. We're talking about being free. Thinking of a song like Red Flags, for example, I, I think like there's a very freeing catharsis on these tracks. Don't 
Yeah, so Red Flag started off with a drum pattern. And I loved the drum pattern. I thought it was so strange. It was very stop and go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. I, I like this. And then I had like this baritone guitar, which I've never used. My friend let me borrow it. Shout out, Tom. My friend let me borrow it. And I had never used it. And I had had it for like a year. And I was like, all right, this song's getting the baritone. So then I had that on there. And I was like, we're off to the races. And at first, lyrically, I wasn't talking about anything at all. It was just making noises. And then it kind of later on in the song's life took on this life of red flags Mm. and how I ignored them. Previously, you know, you mentioned that you'd never done a four to the floor pop song before. I'm assuming that's prove it to you, right? Right. Prove it to you. For me, prove it to you, I like house music. And a very particular type of house music I like is like kind of 90s, like maybe starting to get into like the 2000s a little bit. I wanted this song to be very simple and straightforward. And I just wanted it to be danceable because I feel like dances and movement is like very healing and very release. It, it releases a lot of things stuck in the body. And I think that's why human beings have danced since the dawn of time, you know, to move things out. Animals do it, so humans need to do it. And so I wanted to do a song like that with this huge bass line and these big 808 drums. But at the same time, um, I wanted the vocals to be very vulnerable and very small and very unsure of themselves. And I just thought that was like a really interesting juxtaposition. And it, and it came out kind of hopeful, yet not completely hopeful. And so I was like, toss it on the album. I like that contrast, though, because I'm a big, like, househead, right? Especially from that time yeah. period. And it's like, you listen to, like, I'm chilling, you know, I'm on my own, kind of like Robin S. Show Me Love thing. Like, I am a powerful yeah. woman in, in my own being. Juxtaposing an unsure perspective with that powerful house influence is fascinating. I, I think it's like very nuanced. And I think that's what makes the track so special is that it has both of these elements in and of itself. Yeah, thanks so much. Like, that's why I decided to keep it around. I, I just thought that was just an interesting take on how to do a house song. So, yeah, I'm hearing a lot of like disco influence on that, you know, hearing a lot of clubby pop type beat. Like, I don't know, I go out and like, that's a song that I would hear on like Santa Monica Boulevard. You know what I mean? Like, during like, brunch hours you know kind of just passing by here and not brunch I, <laughs> are you not making brunch music <laughs> go on no 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 no. i'm curious i'm curious i'm making uh what is it you can have pizza anytime i'm making that kind of music <laughs> i love that i love that <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> So true. But yeah, I I don't know. I'm getting like a lot of like fun disco kind of clubby elements to it. Do you feel as though this record is more poppy writ large or is it just on these specific tracks? 
I think it's on the specific tracks. Mm, like, I mm-hmm. always like to do an album that has, um, maybe not equal parts, but um, accessibility to it. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes if you have some accessibility on it, you can maybe expand some people's listening with the other material on the album. And I don't know if you've noticed, but as time has gone on, I've become a little bit more, what's the word I want to use? Like experimental. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I kind of like like to bring my fans along, and maybe there's music on there that people wouldn't have otherwise listened to, and I'm kind of just going in that direction, like very slowly. You know, I'm not putting my noise record out like right now. <laughs> we need it soon. I, I read your New York Times profile today, mm. and you spoke a lot about frustration. How did you communicate that through the music? Well, I don't know. Like, sometimes I feel like frustration can feel like chaos. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of chaos on this album. There's a lot of things that, uh, there's a lot of elements that kind of shouldn't be where they are. Like, for example, like during Red Flags, there's like a 1940s Ink Spots esque chorus. So get more of your- There's like four vocals singing in the background. It's like kind of old barbershop way under the (laughs) chorus, which doesn't go there, but somehow is giving creepy, is giving urgent. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just all adds to the chaos. And another song on the album is um, Every Color in Blue, where there's so much going on at once. It's just whipping into this like tornado. Mm -hmm. Viscerally, I just wanted to do elements like that to kind of like, I guess, portray where I was at the time, which is like, how does any of this make sense? Like, well, especially America, like at the time, just like be, just being on fire, you know? Yeah. So, so you mentioned like music kind of breaking through the chaos, particularly, you know, the music this record serving as like kind of a balm for that chaos. At the same time, I feel like the lyrics are are very poetic they're they're not very chaotic to me they feel very like smooth and simple and easy and looking at songs like to be still on paper they read like poems you know they read like things sans music kind of standing on their own how do you approach crafting a song from a lyrical perspective when you have this whole chaos, you know, vibe going on in the music? So a lot of where I get like lyrically references from is like music from the 50s, kind of like these older love ballads where the music is like very sweet mm-hmm. and the lyrics can be like about their boyfriend dying in a car accident. You know, like, yeah, it's it's always like it's the most interesting pop subject matter. And everyone was singing it and no one batted an eye at the lyrical content. 
but everything was just so simple and sweet, you know? And that's kind of like a place where, where that I like to approach my work from, which is like this juxtaposition, right? Because mm-hmm. I find it interesting and I find it makes things like richer when um, you're coming at something like chaos and musically it's swirling around and there's like all this reverb and you're like in this environment. And then there's lyrics that are poignant, straight to the point, short and sweet, and maybe sung in an opposite style as all that chaos. Mm. And that pulls your ear to that place, right? Unless purposefully I'm trying to create an entire environment of chaos, which like, I don't know how long I would let a listener sit in that. Maybe just a little bit, you know, like maybe five seconds of that. But, you know, all of it's kind of purposefully designed to be seen. And so like when I approach lyrics, I really do sit down and think if they can stand on their own. And if I care at all about what I'm talking about, because if I don't care, then it's not good. uh, Of course, to me, good is in the eye of the beholder. And it's kind of like a puzzle in a way, because it has to fit within these parameters that I just laid out. But also, it it, it has to mean something and pull something emotionally out of me. So sometimes the lyrics can take a really long time because I actually care. And I'm just curious, why won't you let a listener sit in the chaos for a long time? I mean, it's more for me just about um, your ears getting tired. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like an onslaught of noise. Yeah. We can do onslaught of noise, but I just wouldn't do that for very long. I guess when I say chaos, I mean absolute nonsense. One of my last questions is you've previously spoken about being influenced by artists like David Bowie and Prince, both artists that have played and toyed with gender in their artistry. Mm. And I'm curious how gender comes into play when you're approaching your work, if it does at all. I think maybe the only times it really enters into my work is that when I am singing, I make sure I'm announcing that I'm singing to a woman. Because mm. I think that's important. Because this song, I, I think it's important for me and it has a lot just to do with being sane. And I think that's that's that. I don't know if there's any more dissecting that goes into that. No, but I, I, I appreciate that because like, I don't know, like as somebody who's queer, I feel like listening to your music, you know, there was something there that I connected with, right? And even listening to Jamie and songs like Georgia, like it's like, I locked onto that and I remember listening for the first time and like getting emotional because I was like, this feels like I am being seen Mm -hmm. as a queer person of color. Like, I think it's like very important in probably, you know, similar ways that you do to like be seen and and be forward in the way that we present our work. And I think it's like really cool that you're very forward with that because I think like a lot of artists aren't or can't afford to, you know, it's just like it's... Mm -hmm. It's really special. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I mean, it, it's it's kind of also like, it's not just um, a sexuality forward type mm-hmm. of feeling yeah. that I do hear a lot in pop, actually, like when it comes to women loving women or whatever. But it's more like the emotionality, the fearfulness, the uncertainty, like all of these feelings that we actually all feel when we're accessing love. But I just wanted it I wanted it to be known, like, I'm singing this to another woman. Mm -hmm. And these feelings, surprise, 
of love are all the same across the board. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's it's like yes, being witnessed by um my peers and people who who are like me and like us, but also for people who maybe don't understand uh, the LGBTQIA plus community. Yeah, I did it all. I'm sorry, I did it all. <laughs> But it's like, maybe they don't understand and maybe, maybe, maybe perhaps they could listen to my song and my songs and and be like, oh, this is actually just the same way as I felt. Maybe this is just the same way. Maybe that's a reach, but it's it's hopeful. Do you feel as though that you have to represent like a, a certain community a certain way? You know, that's the thing. Like I'm living, I'm making a space for myself. And therefore, anyone who um, relates to me, and of course, at the same time, as I'm doing interviews, I do live in Tennessee, and there are certain things going on, and I'll always speak to them about, you know, what's going on here. I I don't mean to get into politics when we're talking about, like, my new album and stuff, but, you know, I'm a Libra, and there's, like, a lot of things that are unfair, and I can't help it but become aggravated and angry for my communities, my communities of musicians, my communities of LGBTQ, my communities of Black folks. Mm -hmm. I cannot help but be loud and proud. It's like you have to balance the scales. I get it. The Libra metaphor works. Yes, the Libra metaphor does work. It's true life. It's real. Yeah. Thank you, Brittany. This was a lovely interview. Thank you. It's great to meet you. This episode of Switched on Pop was produced by me, Brianna Cruz, edited by Art Chung, engineered by Brandon McFarland. Our illustrations are by Iris Gottlieb, community management by Appy Barr. Our executive producer is Nishat Kurwa, and we are a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture, as well as New York Magazine. And you can subscribe at nymag.com slash pod. Talk to us on social media at switched on pop tell us what you're hearing in the latest britney howard release tell us your favorite you know britney howard performances over the years from her solo work to the alabama shakes and uh i think you, you would do well to go to switchedonpop.com or go to our show notes and sign up for our newsletter and let me tell you why because if you listen to this show you probably love hearing and learning about music this newsletter just shows up in your inbox once a week it's very gentle it's very unassuming and yet it is filled with additional insight germane to the topics that we're discussing right like this week we had my my personal diatribe about what i love and value in musical theater and and how i put that into my own you know compositions a must read thank you rihanna but also uh incredible listening suggestions you know so wow that was a very long and roundabout way of saying sign up for the newsletter rihanna anything else not much else i gotta say i recorded my end of the britney howard interview in the newport oregon public library so i just wanted to shout out libraries shout out third spaces they rock Love a library shout out. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I got to give them their Very flowers. Cool. That's on the coast. That's on the Oregon coast, I believe. Yep. Right on the right water. On Pacific Northwest geography. Can I, can I shout out the Pasadena library system while we're here, Rihanna? Yeah. Just why not? I'm sure. feeling the love. Switched on Pop loves libraries. Switched on Pop loves libraries. We'll be back again next Tuesday with a brand new episode. And until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.